Praise the Lord. Okay, I, I want to be sharing on Abraham Covenant of Grace. As I said, it's a very simple word. Abraham Covenant of Grace. See, we need to understand, first of all, let me define the word covenant. Often and again, like this one, I'm going to explain what the word cut means because people talk about cut a covenant. Have you heard that before? You cut a covenant. Okay. I'm going to explain why it is cutting a covenant. And the covenant, actually, like you must understand, is, is, a, is, is an establishment or is, how do I put it? It's, it's an understanding or an agreement or a contract between two. Okay? Is that okay? It's a contract between two persons. Okay. Now, there are basic reasons why they come into covenant. One is to establish friendship between enemies. So it's like if two persons uh, have been on the war path for quite a long time. They can come together and they want to cut a covenant so that the enmity can stop. Is that all right? To establish friendship between enemies. And so enemies are cutting covenant. Most often they have to eat together. The, that is part of the table that um, we need to understand. Okay, then, then number two, to confirm promises made to an individual. Sometimes when you enter a covenant of the person, you should be able to make a promise. Or somebody is making a promise for an individual. And then after the promise, you can enter into a covenant and say, this thing which I have said, I'm going to bring it to pass. Amen? Hallelujah. Then number three, to seal up an agreement between two people. Uh, it's, it's all part of cutting a covenant. Uh, maybe two of you have agreed on certain things. And he said, okay, how do we believe this thing is going to be? And they said, okay. You know, part of what we do sometimes in the natural is to, is to swear. I remember when we used to, when I was young, <laughs> for you to confirm to somebody that what you are saying is the truth, you lick your tongue, uh, you lick your finger, and touch ground and then point it to heaven. Remember that? So you, what you are trying to say, I'm swearing by air to heaven, that what I've said, I'm going to do it. You see that? So that is, it's like a covenant. You are entering a covenant that said, I'm not going to fail you. Is that okay? Alright, so that's what it means. To seal up an agreement between two people. Okay, so now, there's something very interesting that I want us to look at this morning in Genesis 15. And that is about our father Abraham. Our father Abraham. Okay. Um, Genesis 15, I just started reading from verse number 1. The Bible says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision. After what things? Remember, after he has paid tithe to Melchizedek. Is that okay? Hey, are you there? Good. After he has paid his tithe to Melchizedek, the Bible said the Lord appeared unto Abraham. Or the word of the Lord appeared unto Abraham. I want to say this. One of the ways by which you draw God is through your finances. One of the ways by which you get the attention of God is through your finances. How many of you remember that when, when um, this young man Solomon, offer a bunch of friends before the Lord, a mountain. Remember that? The Bible said, the night the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, you just tell me what you want. Hallelujah. Now, he wasn't praying to bring God down, but he sacrificed, he brought God down. Amen? And here we find Abraham, as soon as he has finished paying tithe with Melchizedek, the Bible said, the word of the Lord came. Now, the word of the Lord if you check it properly, this is synonymous to what you find in the beginning was the word of God. So to me, Christ appeared to him. Amen? Okay. And the Bible said, and he said, 
Fear not, Abraham, I'm the sheet and I tell you a great reward. God is promising the reward. I am your reward. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, and Abraham said, Lord, what? I mean, what will that give me? Seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And, and Abraham said, behold to me, thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house, in my heir. And behold unto him, what is it? And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thy heir, but he that shall come forth out of thy own bush shall be thy heir. Now, how many of you like this kind of conversation? Are you getting what I'm talking about? You know, I, this is the kind of thing I love. You see, you're talking to God. You're just conversing with me as your father. Abraham said, this is my situation. God said, no, that is not your situation. <laughs> Are you getting that? He said, I go childless. God said, you are not childless. He said, look at this steward, Eliezer. I've been faithful. He's going to inherit everything. God said, no, he's not going to inherit everything. I like that. Amen? Okay, verse 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now towards heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. A promise. Amen? Now he made a promise. Is that okay? In other words, to get Abraham out of the way of his thinking, he has to make him see something beyond what he's thinking. Now he has to make him see the mind of God for him. Praise the living God. Okay. And then, the Bible now said, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for what? For righteousness. I can't overemphasize this. Believe in the promises of God that he made to you and for you, and then to God you are who? A righteous person. What, what God distrusts so much is for him to make a promise, and you don't believe in the promise he has made unto you. Like I said before, the Bible calls out the wicked heart of unbelief. Amen? Okay, verse 7. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of all of the Chaldeans to give thee this land to inherit it. Amen. Okay. Now there is something I need to also point out here. When the Bible says, and the Lord. The word Lord is actually Adonai. And uh, why the Jewish people, basically they don't like calling the word Jehovah to an extent. Because they feel it's too much of a personal name of God. And it's like lack of respect. For them to address God by his real name. So they call Adonai. Amen? Are you there with me? Okay. And uh, basically, the word Adonai talks about a kind of the name that spells out the protections of God, the provisions of God, and all of that. So that is what they relate to. They relate to Adonai more than calling Jehovah. Are you there with me? Okay. Verse number 8. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I inherit it? Abraham is going to stop. I like him. How I many of you remember this whole conversation about touching Sodom and Gomorrah? Same thing here. Okay, I agree, I agree. I've seen the stars. What sign will you give to me? <laughs> How do I know I'm going to inherit this? I, I believe quite all right. But can you just show me a sign? Can you cause me to see if what you're telling me is the truth? Is there any way we can come to an agreement that, yes, this thing you're saying, you are going to make it real? Is that all right? Remember, he's discussing now with his father. He's discussing with his friend. God called him friend. How many of you understand that? Okay. Now, verse 9. And he said unto him, 
Take me. God is now speaking. Take me an ephah of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another. But the best divided he not. Now I'm going to explain something there, very interesting. Okay, so let me, let me even say that. What do you think is going to happen here now? Okay, let's read on. I'll come back to it. Go down. Verse um, 11. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. And lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that a seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward they shall come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquities of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between the species. And in the same day, the Lord made. Are you there with me? What did he make? He made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed by giving this land from the river of Egypt unto the river, the river what? Euphrates. Hallelujah. So now, let's go back just a little bit. Let me explain now. Normally, when you want to entire covenant with someone as it were in Israel you have to bring the animals and slit them into two then you pull them this way and I'm going to show you the implication of that because it's very very serious and that is why thank you Lord <laughs> okay it's fine watch this they put the animal this way half half is that okay and then both of you will walk between those pieces of animals now what you're saying is this if I fail on my part of the economy, slit me into two. As this animal is here. That's how powerful covenant is. That's what it means, cutting of covenant. You breaking the animals into two, and both that's, uh, it's, 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 it's not the callous thing to do. Because you're putting the whole of your life. So, they call the animals into two, and both of you, I walk past the animals, between the peace of the animals, you also walk between the peace of the animals. And what you've just said is this. If I fail on my part, split me into two. It means, if you fail on the part of your covenant, you die. Now I see why the old covenant makes people die. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying here? I'm going to make you see it more. Now watch this. If you, you see, first of all, it talks about the animals that they have to be brought. The animals were caught into two. Let me read it again so that you understand. Now, the Bible says here, uh, what are the animals it took? Verse number eight. And the Lord said, Whereby I know that I'm very this, whatever, whatever, okay, okay, verse nine. And he said unto him, Take me and half of three years old, and a she goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old. Now, if you take time to study your Bible, uh, like Psalm 22, verse number 12, Daniel 8, 20, 21, and then you'll be able to see that these animals actually represent the heathen nations. Amen? They represent the heathen nations. And the Bible said they were slipped into two. It shows the, the incoherency, the, the lack of composition, the lack of wholeness of the nations. But when you come to the turtle dove, which you find in the book of 
First, I mean, uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 24, the dove speaks of the church. It speaks of, speaks of the church. Now, the, the dove was not split that into two. And that tells me that the church is one church. It's one body. It's whole. It's not divided. It's not fragmented. Now, that makes me understand as well what the Bible says, that the bones of Jesus were not broken. Why? Because we are his bone of his bones and the flesh of his flesh. Therefore, the church is not broken. The church is a whole body. And that tells me why the bones of Joseph were carried out of Egypt to the promised land. He was not going to be lost in Egypt. It has to be brought home to his people. It has to be united to his people. Because we are the bones of his bones and the flesh of his flesh. Are you getting this? So this covenant was represented the entire community. In fact, that's what the Bible says. The world was given to Abraham for what? For an inheritance. So the inheritance encompasses both the church and the entire world. Do you understand that? Okay, praise the Lord. So now, there's the picture. So here we go. God now went through. Now, let's go down a little bit to verse... Uh, okay. Let's pick it bit by bit now so that I can understand it. Wow. Verse 13. Okay, first of all, verse 12. Sorry, verse 11. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. What, what, what fowls are these? He's talking about a bed of prey. Now, this bed of prey, they love dead stuff. They love dead carcasses. Is that okay? Okay, so, the Bible says Abraham drove them away. The symbolism of it is, the picture of it is, it's talking about the nation that are going to swoop upon the Israelites. It's just like taking them to captivity because these were the children of Israel. Is that okay? So this bed of prey, as many nations are going to be coming to take them into captivity. And here Abraham, the Bible says, was driving them away. So it's like an intercession for the very house of Israel. Like you find the Assyrians, like you find the Babylonians. They always come in to take them into captivity. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, Let's move on, verse number 12. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. Now, two things you need to understand. In the first place, what kind of deep sleep is this? Anytime God really wants to make a covenant for himself, he takes you out of it. Is that okay? Remember, it takes two to call the covenant. Hallelujah. Now, this is not a bilateral covenant. This is a unilateral covenant. A covenant made by one man on behalf of other people. So, to avoid Abraham participating in the covenant, he made him to go to sleep. And any time God makes a man to go to sleep, because he wants to call a covenant that he wants to do, he always brings out something fresh out of the sleep. How many of you remember that God has to make Adam go to sleep for Eve to come out? Do you understand that? Praise the living God. So Yahweh find that Abraham have to go to sleep and then God alone is not going to participate in the covenant. He kept him away. That is why it's a covenant of grace. Do you understand this? Man is not involved in it. Okay. So now the next thing he said, now I think in the vision while he was in this lake, God began to communicate. And that's why I find in Job chapter 4, I mean, Job, Job 4, 4, 13, then check Job 14, 13 as well. You're going to see the same principle, especially Job 14, 13. It talks about uh, God speaking to us in dreams and visions. Okay, watch this. 
Verse 8, and he said unto Abraham, Nor for shorty that the seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And this is a picture of the great horror that fell upon Abraham. The horror that he saw was a picture of his children that are going to be in captivity for four hundred years. It was a deep horror that came upon him. Now, what really interests me in all of this is, God making him to see what would become of his children. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say you can know what will befall your children. We need to come to that same place where we can know ahead of time what your children can be, what God intends them to be. That is why you should be able to guide them precisely in the ordination that God has for their lives. Only as you know. So before Israel could come out, remember, Israel has to do with the, how many generations from Abraham? Suppose we be the third generation. You have Abraham, you have Isaac, you have Jacob. Are you getting that? It was the children of Jacob, which is the third generation to Abraham, that went to captivity. So God showed him a third generation issue. Are you still there with me? So if you truly be a father, you can see ahead of time. You can see what your great-grandchildren will become. Praise the living God. I'm trying to challenge your spirit to press beyond just being a Christian. I'm trying to make you see, remember, Abraham is our father. And if he is our father, what he experienced, we can experience. Hallelujah. So, okay, fine. If you can't even see the third generation of your children, stand that right now before you. Start from there. How many children you got? Start from there. Do you have an idea what they're going to become? Has God said anything to you about one or two or three of your children? Is there any? Man, there's a possibility I'm trying to say. You can know it. Praise the living God somebody. The opportunity is there for you to know it. So Abraham was saying what's going to happen to a third generation people from him. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And then you have that. Amen. Praise the living God. Okay. Now. What's next verse? Verse 14. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward they shall come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. And thou shalt be buried in good old age. Amen. And, and that's exactly what happened to Abraham. Is that not true? In other words, God also made him to understand, man, you're not going to die just like that. You're going to grow old. How many of you would like to hear words like this from God? How many of you remember somebody like Simon in the temple when Jesus was born? Hallelujah. Had God walked to him and told him, listen, you're not going to die until you see the salvation of Israel. I mean, these are the kind of words I like hearing from God. Is that okay? That's why I said, when you give me prophecy, man, tell me what God is saying. And if God tells me something contrary, I'm going to behave like Hezekiah. I say, God, why do you want me to die now? Hallelujah. Are you sitting there with me? And so Abraham was going to see. It's not only they're going to see. The Bible is making us understand that he was going to be as old as God intended him to be. Nothing is going to destroy your life. Can I hear an amen? Nothing. <laughs> if he must come, God will let you know. Amen? I mean, that's my desire. That is the way I want to walk with my God. If I must die, I must know. Hallelujah. You know, Peter had to be able to speak to the people. You write that this morning. 
I'm about to drop this tabernacle. I want to bring you into remembrance. He knew when. Paul knew when he wants to go. I'm about to put up this tabernacle. I'm about to be offered. I finished my course. You should be able to know. Don't just live and die just like that. I'm really intending to challenge your spirit this morning, not excite your emotions. I want you to see something deeper than what you're looking at now. I want you to go beyond this level of Christianity. I want you to become a prophet of yourself. That you can see some things before anybody talks about them. You can know some things and that builds your faith. You can walk because you know. Praise the living God. I remember about four years ago, I think I mentioned that I was to fly to South Africa and then on the way in Lagos, the Lord asked me a question. I was in Patrick's house, that was about three years ago. And he said, David, I said, Lord, he said, does God walk by faith? And there was something that was happening because I was traveling and I don't have cash in my pocket. And I was worried. And that's why he called me, does God walk by faith? I said, no, Lord. So how does he walk? I said, he walks by knowing. And the conversation ceased. So the question is, God walks by knowing and not by faith. Because remember, faith coming by hearing. Is that okay? So who speaks to God? For him to hear to have faith. <laughs> Are you getting that? So God is Lord by faith. How does he live? He lives by knowing. He knows tomorrow is certain. And he said, if you be my child, you walk by knowing, not by faith. And I flew to South Africa and I realized that I had more opportunity. Everything was set for me. I had no money, but I had the best of time. Cars were available to drive me wherever I want to go. Got the best hotel. It was easy. And I was like, God, God doesn't live by faith. Because faith comes by hearing. I hear him by the word of God. So who speaks to God? Nobody speaks to God. So if you become a child of God, know for sure there are certain things God has put in place ahead of you. Walk by knowing. Hallelujah. So yeah, it's Abraham, man, saying, you're going to be an old man. Hallelujah. You're not going to die. So, if you're going to be such an old man, forget about the issue that you don't have a child now. You're going to have children. Are you still there with me? Because you have seen many years to come. Let me, let me tell you something. God starts counting from when you are born again. Do you understand that? To God, it is when he called Abraham that he started counting. Not when Abraham was living. Not when he was born. Are you still there with me? That is why your youth is directly connected to how old you are in the faith. <laughs> you may not understand what I'm saying yet. If I say how old are you now, you're going to tell me you're 34, you're 54, but you're not like that in the sight of God. Are you still there with me? The Bible talks about receiving the sincere make of the word. So, who received the make? Who are makes makes for? For babies. So you see yourself? So you are not as old as you think. <laughs> because just a few years ago, you'd be drinking milk. Am I right? Glory to God. You, when you were born again, you were a baby before God. It talks about the young man, it talks about the youth. It talks, is that not true, people of God? Fine. So, young man, I mean, what does it mean to be a young man before God? Or what does it mean an old man? Old man means somebody with gray hair? No. But a maturity in the spirit. Are you still there with me? So, what are we saying here? The Bible is making us to understand God told Abraham, man, you are not going to die. 
So soon, you're thinking you are old, you are not old. I am going to renew your youth, I'm going to renew the youth of your wife, and I'm going to bring you to the place where you're going to beg the seed that they have, because out of you shall the whole nation of the earth be blessed. Hallelujah. Okay, so now look at the next thing. Amen. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the great horror, verse 17. And then the Bible now says, So see the way he called the covenant, verse 17, and it came to pass... When the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. The smoking furnace, the lamp, which is the word of God. Amen? God went through by his glory. He passed through the piece of sacrifice that Abraham put together. But at this stage, like I said, Abraham was already what? Asleep. He didn't know what was going on. That is why it's a unilateral covenant, like I said before. It's a covenant that God made by himself on behalf of his people. Praise the living God. And that has a point to the issue of Jesus Christ, if you may understand. He is the lamp. He is the light. Are you see that with me? Glory. Everything that we find here was played out in Christ. The sacrifice that God, I mean, the covenant that God has to make with the humanity was made by God himself allowing his own son to pass through everything that you need to pass through. Amen? That is why I want to tell you something. The Bible said Christ was full of grace. How many of you understand that? Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So if Jesus died and took your place, what happened? He took your iniquity, you took his grace. That's why you should also be full of grace. Because he was full of grace. Everything he had, you received. Everything you had, he took. Praise the living God. Are you sitting there with me? Okay. Now, if you look at the book of Hebrews, chapter number 6, verse 15, I mean 13, the Bible says, Hebrews 6, verse 13. Then I'm going to read a scripture for you now in the book of Jeremiah for you to understand the implication of this covenant. Thing. Hallelujah. Okay, watch this. Hebrews 6, verse 13, look at that. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he can swear by no greater, what did he do? Simple. He called a covenant by himself. Nobody else was involved. He caused him to sleep. He caused him to, to go into a deep sleep so that he cannot even see what he wants to do. Praise the living God. I yesterday. I prophesy to you today. As God began to walk with you, May you hear him. In your dreams of vision, may he be God talking to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Now go to Jeremiah. Let me show you the implication of not keeping a covenant. Let me show you. Jeremiah 34. I'm going to read three verses here also. Let me read from verse 17. Jeremiah 34 verse 17. Hallelujah. Bible said, Therefore, are you together with me? Therefore, thus saith the Lord, ye have not hearkened unto me in proclaiming liberty. Now, let me say something. Yeah, I, I, I heard you when you were discussing the issue of maybe thus saith the Lord, how you speak, on something like that. You see, often and again, when God is speaking this way, He's addressing the people. But when People bubble up in prophecy. You don't see those here, the Lord. Like you see in, in the book of Luke. Amen? 
See, Zachariah just came up speaking. Elizabeth just came up speaking. Anna just came up speaking. There is no dust here, the Lord. But here you're speaking to the people. It's like you're bringing them a place of warning. Is that okay? All right. Therefore, thus hear the Lord. Ye have not hearkened unto me in proclaiming liberty. Watch this. And I like this. Everyone to his brother and everyone to his neighbor. What did he say they didn't do? They didn't proclaim liberty. <laughs> you have not. Hallelujah. Proclaim freedom. Proclaim liberty. Serve the people free. How many of you remember the anointing that came upon Jesus? The Bible says, the Lord have anointed me to declare. Is that okay? The seventh year of the Lord. The year of Jubilee. Proclaim liberty. And the Bible said, because you have not proclaimed liberty, everyone to his brother, and every man to his neighbor, behold, I proclaim a liberty for you. Now, you're going to see what liberty means here. See the Lord, to the sword, to the pestilence, and to the famine, and I will make you to all the kingdoms of the earth. Do you call that liberty? <laughs> Are you getting this? Is that because you have not proclaimed liberty to my people, I'm going to proclaim my own kind of liberty. What does that mean? I'm going to take you into captivity. I'm going to get you through wars. I'm going to take you through pestilence so that you can understand. Since you love to people being in captivity, you go take captivity. Are you still there? Look at the next thing. And I will give the men that have transgressed my covenant which have not performed the words of the covenant which they have made before me. When they caught the calf in twain and passed between the paths thereof. Did you see that? In other words, we enter into covenant together and this is our agreement. You go proclaim liberty to the people. Now instead of you proclaiming liberty, you put it in bondage. In other words, you violate my covenant. Now, because you violate my covenant, you have to be caught into pieces. So you go to war. Praise the living God, somebody. Are you following what I'm talking about? Now, can you see why? Now, look at that verse 19. The princes of Judah and the princes of Jeremiah, the eunuchs and the priests, and all the people of the land, which pass between the paths of the cup, and I will even give them into the hands of their enemies and into the hands of them that seek their life and their dead bodies shall be for meat unto the fowls of the heavens and to the beasts of the earth. Can you see this? In other words, don't forget, when you pass between the two cows or the two pieces of animals, if you violate or fail the principle, then you're going to pay exactly for what it is. In other words, you become the pieces that you pass between. Hallelujah. So you can understand from this picture why Israel, I'm trying to say again, it was not possible for them by no means to come to the place of true fulfillment. Why? Because they violated the covenant. Is that okay? Therefore, they have to die. Anytime they violate the covenant, they die. That is the principle of the covenant. And so for God to ensure that you don't die, He refused to bring you in. Because He knows you will always fail. <laughs> Are you still there with me? And one of the good things is this. So even when Christ came, it's like humanity that has failed, He took the failure on Himself so that He can be cut to pieces. Hallelujah. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Because he made a covenant with man. Now man keep failing right from the time of Adam. He keep failing. 
Now for that to end, Christ have to become the one that paid the penalty of people who fail the covenant with God. So he's going to the cross. It was like he's been cut to pieces. Praise the living God. Hallelujah. So friends, listen. Now let me give you one more scripture on that so that you can understand. Go to the book of Luke. Anytime God speaks a word to you, anytime God gives you a true commandment, which is morally like a covenant between you and you fail, look, I'll show you, you're going to suffer for it. Except for Christ's sake. The only reason why you can break covenant with God and still go free is because Christ paid the price. Hallelujah. Are you sitting there with me? Okay. We're going to look to us. I'm going to read three verses here. Luke 12, verse 43. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he had. But if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayed his coming, and shall begin to be the maid servant and maid servant, and to eat and drink, and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he's not away. And what will he do? Cut him asunder. And we appoint him his portion with what? The unbeliever. Cut him asunder the same thing. Tear you to pieces. You break the covenant, you go into pieces. Are you seeing that? Now one of the things that happened is this. Israel was cut to pieces. By reason of the judgment that came in AD 70. Because they broke the covenant of God. Can you get what I'm talking about? They failed to feel the people. They failed to show liberty. Exactly what we find in the book of Jeremiah. And God has to cut them to pieces. Now God doesn't need to be blamed because it's part of the covenant. When you break covenant, you are broken to pieces. Are you seeing it? Hallelujah. Amen. You can find time to read Matthew 24 and verse 5. And Luke 12, 46 and all of that. Uh, Daniel 2 verse 5. You see, you have been cut to pieces. Uh, I just want to put all of that for you. So, it's like a punishment. Now, but it's something very interesting that I want you to see in the book of Mark chapter 2. In the book of Mark chapter 2. Some of you, God, are giving you specific instructions. Some of you, God, have spoken some things to you concerning the church. Some of you, God, have said some things to you concerning certain individuals on what you need to do. Don't forget what he's quarreling with. I, I intended to covenant with you to proclaim liberty to the people. Is that okay? To set some people free, to deliver some people, to give them that which God has intended that they should receive from you. But some of you, are unable to live this life. You see, this is why sometimes you suffer. Praise the living God. That's why sometimes you suffer. Okay, watch this. In the book of Mark. You know the story? Uh, if you are with me in Mark chapter 2, uh, maybe we'll read from the top just a little bit. But I, I was starting reading here from verse number, verse number 21. But let's go up a little bit, if you can put down the board. Mark chapter 2. Let's start reading from verse, uh, verse 17, if you can get it. Now, hallelujah. Okay. Uh, okay, they are a whole lot. Okay, go down to verse 18. Let's go to verse 18 and see. Okay. And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. That's a question. Okay, go back again so that we can connect it properly. Sorry, verse 17. Go down the board. Praise the Lord. Okay. When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physicians, but they that are sick. I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Okay? That's the next thing. 
And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they come and say unto him, Why don't the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast? But thy disciples fast not. Go ahead. And, it is, and Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bridegroom fast? While the bridegroom is with them, as long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Something in ministry, anytime I read the Bible, is Jesus always addressed disciples of children. Have you noticed that? Uh, how many of you remember that Peter could be older than Jesus? That's why I was about to rebuke him. You don't rebuke an elder, you can rebuke a younger one. <laughs> it was working in the natural. So why would Jesus call them children? It was the father in him that was speaking. Are you still there with me? <laughs> it was the father in Jesus that was talking. Are you still there? Now, he said the children. He cannot have a bridegroom. Who is the bridegroom? Himself. What will they mourn? When he goes to the cross. Hallelujah. It's a period at which he wasn't going to be with them. But that's not what I'm driving at. Just move on and see something. Okay, verse 20. Are you there? Okay, but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them and then shall they fast or more. Fasting equals mourning. Okay, move on. Okay, no man. Now this is what I'm looking at. No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment. Follow it very crystally. As the new piece that will fill it take up away from the old and the rent is made worse. Go on. And no man put that new wine into old bottles. As the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be melted, but new wine will be put into what? New bottles. What do you think that's talking about? Hey, Pharisees, John. No, their doctrine can come into my own platform. Their message does not agree with my message. Their covenant does not agree with my covenant. Are you getting what I'm talking about? And the Bible says, if you mix the two, you're going to be blown up. You, are you getting what I'm talking about? You take the law and grace and walk with law and grace, you're going to blow up. You're breaking the covenant. You are under the covenant of grace, not under the covenant of law. So you can't bring law and grace and walk together. You can succeed. The promises of the old covenant can only work when you walk by the principle of the old covenant. But God has given us more promises. Second Peter chapter 1, look at 3 and 4. The Bible says God gives us promises. If God was to protect his people, God is much more going to protect you. But you're going to go through that by what? By grace. Because Abraham's covenant was a covenant of grace. You are walking as children of Abraham. You can mix the old wine with the new wine. The bottles will explode. Are you still there? He said, if you say, come on, somebody help me here. He said, if you take the, the new cloth and sew it together with the old one, what happened? It will tear them all. Your nakedness will expose. Listen to me. The Bible tells me, put it on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is our covering. He is our salvation. He is our righteousness. You can mix it with your old principle. He can walk. Now you see how people die. Because they are not keeping the covenant. Am I talking to someone here? Because we're wondering, if we're living under grace, why are we going through what we are going through? We are mixing it. <laughs> we are mixing law and grace. Look at it here. 
He said, the disciples of the Pharisees and disciples of John, they used to fast. Your disciples are not fasting. Jesus said, man, they can more as long as I'm with them. But besides that, don't take an old piece of cloth and put in a new one. Hallelujah. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Or take the new wine and put in the old bottles. Man, don't mix the thing. Don't take grace and mix it with law. You live in another condition, you blow up. You are violating the principle of the covenant. Jesus died to set you free from everything that you couldn't do. He has become your ability. He has become your strength. How many understand what I'm talking about? We have hope because he did it all. Praise the living God. You can mix the new wine. This is a new wine you're drinking. Don't mix it with the old wine. You will blow up. The problem is going to be you, not the wine. These two things can work together. Is anybody following what I'm talking about? I want you to understand. So that you can see how much liberty Christ has given unto you. You live it out. You walk it out. Hallelujah. You know when you look at the book of Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says you have come unto my Zion. How many of you understand that? But why did he say you come unto my Zion? Because there was once, I mean, a mountain, Mount Sinai. It's a comparison of the old and the new. But you've come to my Zion. Not my son. Maybe I'm going to have time to talk to you on that. So that you can understand where you are. And the grace that's available in the place that you are. But in my sign it's a place of fear. It's a place of dread. It's a place of trembling. It's a place of earthquaking and shaking. Terrible things happening on my sign. You can cope with my sign. You don't have the spirit to stay with my sign. Everything in my sign terrifies you. You run away from God while you are in my sign. That is why the Lord keep on driving you away from God. But grace keep on saying come home here. Hallelujah. Oh, you see the prodigal son running away. Grace is saying, come back home here. Am I talking to somebody? But the law is always driving you away from God. You're always afraid. You're always terrified. Hey, God is going to crush me. God is going to kill me. God is going to smite me. Man, that is not the covenant of Abraham. The covenant of Abraham is the covenant of grace. Abraham did nothing. God said, come, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And that is who you are. Stand up and let's pray. God is going to be on your side. God is on your side. God is on your side. God is on your side. Hallelujah. God is on your side. Amen. There are promises God has made available that you need to tap into. You can mix the two. You got to live under grace. You are not living under law. The principle of the project is your trust and believe into him. And he's going to set you up the way he has intended. Praise the living God somebody. Hallelujah. Amen.